Okay, thank you kids. Great kids we have at Alpine Church. Proud of you guys parenting them. We're talking about parenting again, and uh, this is our, the second week uh, of our three-week series, and we're calling it Survival Guide for Parenting, because if you're a parent, like I am, sometimes it's just like about, man, how am I going to get through this parenting challenge without messing up my kids, right? So we're calling it Survival Guide to try to give you some basic things that are going to help you to, to make it as a parent, to succeed as a parent. Last week we talked about how the very foundation of parenting, like everything else in life, is to put God first. And that, that's what gives you and your kids the very, very best chance for success, to thrive in their lives. Now, we said last week there's no guarantees, right? Because why? Because we can't control all of the forces and factors that work in the lives of our kids. And also, we, we don't control the choices that our children will make as they grow up and grow into adulthood. And actually, we don't want to control those choices. We want them to, um, to learn to take ownership for their own lives. But when you're, when, when you have a commitment to honor God in your life, to put Him first, that shows something to our kids that, that they're going to emulate, at least have an opportunity to emulate, and that's going to make a difference in my life as well. And so uh, we're going to talk about today, uh, principle number two is discipline with love. We're talking about discipline. That's a tough one. This is a tough one. Now, I know a lot of you are not parents right now. Maybe you never will be. Maybe you, maybe you haven't been. And so how does the message uh, speak to you today? Okay, so every week we have this little bit of a challenge, right? If you're not a parent, how, how do, what is God going to say? And I, I think um, there's a lot here that, that, you can, that you can dig into. If you're younger and, and you're not that far from being under your parents' roof, whatever, then, then hopefully today you're going to be able to understand maybe a little bit more about their motivation, why they did what they did, you know. I know you're going to critique them anyway along the way, so we'll just put that on the table. Maybe you can understand them better um, and what they're trying to accomplish. Uh, but of course, if you ever do have kids, then some of this is stuff you can file away for later and it starts to create maybe a biblical understanding of a, of a foundation that you can use later in your life. And then for, for those of you who... If you're ever in a position of authority or leadership, you supervise somebody or they answer to you or they're accountable to you in some way, whether it's in the workplace or in the school system or whatever it might be, then the things we're going to talk about will have application for you as well. And so um, I know it's a tough subject. It's easy for us as parents to miss the mark. And feel like we've missed the mark. So, so, you know, a lot of parents on one side of the scale, they hesitate to really apply discipline. You want to be, you know, your kid's best buddy and, you know, just kind of be BFFs and, and stuff like that. And so sometimes we hesitate. Um, or maybe like me, you just have strong-willed kids. And honestly, I feel like my kids were just way tougher than me. And so that made discipline hard. And, or on the other hand, maybe some parents, you know, maybe take it too far. And, and become overbearing in their discipline or even abusive in their discipline. And that's not uh, God's purpose for us either. And so we're flawed human beings. Our kids are flawed human beings. Uh, life is tough. There's so many things that we, we're trying to strive to do. So here's the thing. Parenting is tough. Discipline is tough. Here's the thing. I want you to remember this. If I just sat down right now, I, I, here's the thing I'd want you to remember, okay, as a parent. When you fail as a parent, God will never love you less. 
when you succeed as a parent, you're knocking the ball out of the court, you look at other, that other family and you see, man, they've got, God is never going to love you more. God will not love you more when you succeed. He'll not love you less when you don't succeed. That's the gospel. And we want to look at parenting from the framework of the gospel that Jesus, the good news that we have that Jesus gave us. I'm going to try to give you some practical tips, try to give you some, some things that are specific on this, but ultimately we're going, to, we're going to wrap it up and tie it all back together by remembering the nature of the gospel of Jesus, that, that as parents, as humans, we're not called to perfection, but it's all about redemption and how do we operate in redemption as a parent? How do we operate as someone who is able to take our weaknesses and take our failures and bring them to the cross and experience God's grace and a fresh start and experience his empowerment day in and day out as we live in dependence on him? That's true of parenting. That's true of life as a Christian. So that's the framework that I want to understand this together. And with that framework in mind, let's talk about some basic principles of, of parental discipline. Number one, there, there is, there's an ancient para, parenting paradox that those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Now, now, in our culture, that seems like a paradox to a lot of people because for many, discipline doesn't seem like it's a lo the loving thing to do. And, and, and honestly, you look around, there's certain attitudes and certain practices of parental discipline that actually give the whole idea of discipline a bad name. The way a lot of people are doing it, it gives discipline a bad name. So it's not surprising that, that this could feel like a disconnect. And the truth is that the way a lot of parents do it, it's not loving. But it can be, okay, and that's the ideal that we're striving for, that ultimately it is and can and should be a loving thing. So in Proverbs uh, chapter 13, verse 24, those who spare the rod of discipline hate their children. Those who love their children care enough to discipline them. Now that verse might make some of you flinch a little bit when you read that because maybe your parents disciplined you out of anger or out of contempt or maybe, you know, growing up, it, it shapes us in so many ways. Maybe your parents used a lot of derision or a lot of shame in, in their discipline. Or maybe they were very harsh or maybe even violent in how they disciplined you. But we're not going to give up on discipline just because a lot of people don't always do it right. The biblical perspective is that children need discipline. You know what? All of us need discipline, even as we grow up, even as we get older. We still need discipline. We all need correction. We all need accountability, right? And is, listen, is it easier for you if I say correction instead of discipline? Right? Sometimes discipline that has that negative connotation. If I just say correction, you get what I'm talking about, right? Because we need correction to become our best selves. I remember back, way back in high school, I was on the cross country and the track team, okay, and I remember one time I missed a workout without permission. I just didn't show up because when you're young, you just you don't think about things. You know, I got something to do, probably had something really, really important to do like goof off, and I missed a workout without permission, and so I was not allowed to compete in the meet that week. I was not allowed to suit up for the, for the event that week. And that disciplinary action helped me to grow, right? I, I never missed another workout again after that. So that in a sense, that was a loving thing. It helped me in a positive way, right? The Bible goes so far as to say, here, if you don't correct your kids, 
you're hurting them in the long run, right? The right kind of discipline is a sign that you love them. Why? Because you're willing to take steps to protect them from harmful consequences of choices that they might make. You're willing to do the work to invest in their character and care about their future, right? So we all know kids who were spoiled rotten growing up. It was never me, of course, but I know those kids, right? Their parents never tried to limit or correct their behavior. They never held them accountable for their actions. So they grew up to be entitled and selfish and out of control. My first wife was a school teacher. And um, let me tell you, man, she was always frustrated by these parents whose kids could do no wrong. Right? You come to parent-teacher conference and, and little Johnny has never, ever done anything wrong in the classroom. This kid's a disruptive force in the classroom. The parents never discipline. The parents never back the teacher up. It's always the teacher's fault. You know, and, then, and they just get mad at the teacher for telling the truth. And Johnny just continues to be a disruption in the classroom because his parents never took, held him to account. Listen, if you want your child to be a train wreck as an adult then make sure you never apply discipline in his or her life. That's what, that's what the Bible's saying here. Now, later we're going to talk about how to administer discipline that in a way that's truly loving, that's not abusive, okay? But the point is that when you discipline your kids and you do it the right way, that is an expression of your care for them, your love for them, your concern for the kind of people that they're going to become. So, now here's an underlying idea. Contrary to popular opinion, there is such a thing as right and wrong, and it's a parent's job to teach this in the home, okay? This is where discipline is headed, right? The underlying premise of the whole idea of discipline is that some actions and attitudes are right, and they need to be learned growing up, and some actions or attitudes are wrong, and they need to be interdicted and they need to be prevented and so we need to teach our kids the difference while they're young and that's what discipline does because discipline when they do the wrong thing it applies negative consequences that teach them not to, to you know do that again and when they do the right thing then discipline can apply positive consequences to their life to teach them that it's good to do that thing again right and so last week we looked at the ten commandments there they are again and I bring this up because this is one of the Bible's summaries of right and wrong. And there, you know, notice right in the middle, in the fifth commandment, is the relationship between parents and kids. And that's kind of the link, the glue that holds these whole thing together. But the point of God giving us a list like this is the fact that doing the right thing doesn't come naturally to any of us. It doesn't come naturally to me. It doesn't come naturally to my kids. We're not hardwired at birth just to go do the right thing. We have to be told what it is. We have to be told and taught to do it. So I observed as a parent over the years, maybe you've seen this too in your kids. Maybe it's my kids, okay? If that's true, then you can just forget it, right? But what I observed as a parent over the years is that I didn't have to teach my kids to do the wrong thing. I did not have to say, okay, here's how to hit your sister, right? Uh, it just came naturally that when my kids were displeased that they, you know, hit each other or that they were 
jealous of each other, or they're possessive of their toys, or uh, all of the things that, you know, that they said things that were disruptive and mean and cruel. So all of that came naturally. What I did have to do is I had to teach them to share and teach them to be polite and teach them to take turns. And, and as they got older, other things as well, right? And, but I also, not only did I have to teach them those things, but I had to enforce it as well to intervene, to shape them in the direction of what's right. That's what discipline, that's what correction is. So parents, if we don't do that, then our kids are going to follow their natural bent. And they won't know what's right and wrong, and they won't have any reason to do right instead of to do wrong. So in Proverbs chapter 22, it says, direct your children onto the right path, and when they're older, they will not leave it. So the implication there is that there is a right path. There's a right path in life. And in fact, much of the book of Proverbs is devoted to that idea. To say, here's here's the path that's going to lead to a good life. a, A proper, successful, satisfying life in relationship with God. And so our job as parents is to help our kids know what that path actually is. And then to get them on the path and help them stay on the path so that ultimately they buy into God's values for themselves at that point in time in their life when they're able to choose that on their own. Now, this is one thing. This principle is one thing that separates healthy discipline from unhealthy discipline. Again, one of those things that gives discipline a bad name. See, discipline, this says, this is, discipline is not defined by dad's preferences, or by mom's hobby horses, or even by their tradition that's handed down through your family lineage, that this is how we've done it as a family. Discipline is not defined by that. It's defined by God's idea of right and wrong. Discipline is not about punishing kids for stuff that we just made up, or that maybe a whim that maybe is going to change tomorrow. Because it's about God's standard, which doesn't change, and it's consistent. Discipline's not about just making it hard on our kids because we had a bad day. See, we're also held to that same standard of right and wrong as parents. And so it's about applying God's idea, right and wrong. And it talks in this verse about when they get older... Again, it's not, this is, the Proverbs are not a guarantee. The Proverbs are a trend, okay? So this is the way it usually works. There's always exceptions, but the point is, is that the, we have a vision when we discipline our kids. We're thinking about the future. We're not just thinking about what happened five minutes ago, the violation of the rule. right? We're also thinking about what's going to happen in five years from now and 10 years from now and 20 years from now because we're setting a foundation for their whole life, their adult life. And most of us as parents would say, we want to prepare our kids for adulthood. But here's the thing. As an adult, your child's going to have to follow the law. Your child's going to probably have to answer to a boss or a supervisor when they grow up, right? They're, they're going to have to live with rules and expectations that are set up in the company or in the city or, or, or the military or the school or whatever it is, and they're going to be held accountable for right and wrong. And even while they're growing up, you know, they've got to experience this. We have to live un, under people with authority. Even as a young person, it might be your coach. It might be your teacher. So when kids are small, we say, you can't do that, that's not right, and when we do that, we're training them for life in the real world when they grow up. So here's the big picture. Your job as a parent is to transfer 
the ownership of your kids' lives from you to them through an ongoing process of maturity. Okay, if when your kids are little, you give them too much ownership of their life, they won't survive. You have a, to- you have a toddler say, I oh, know it's your job to feed yourself today. You know, they're, they're not going to be able to do that. But as they get older and they grow in their capacity and they become who God's created them, your, your teenager, you're not going to say, you know, here's your bottle. You're going to make them take ownership and responsibility. You say, no, you're going to, you need to make your lunch. If you want to eat t- tomorrow at school, you've got to make your lunch. And that's fair, right? And there's, so there's a natural progression in, in ownership. We don't really want our kids to be responsible to us their whole life. In fact, some of us as parents, we're going like, when are my kids going to stop me? When are they going to go spread their wings and, and stop living in my basement and so forth, right? We, we don't want them, we want them to take responsibility for their own life, for their own choices, and that requires this conscious transfer of ownership that happens incrementally as a process over time to prepare them for that. It doesn't just happen the moment they turn 18 or 21 and boom, Right? But it, but it develops over their entire childhood as we learn to adapt our parenting accordingly with this bigger picture in mind. That's why you don't discipline a teenager the same way you discipline a toddler. When they're small, you have more responsibility. You have more control. They grow toward adulthood. You give up more responsibility. give up more control to them over time. But the point is, is, that, is that our kids learn God's standards of right and wrong in our homes And as they do that, it's far easier for them to then embrace right and wrong as adults and to continue on the right path long after uh, they're not in our care anymore. Okay, so so I hope you can see why discipline is an act of love. When we do it the right way, it's an act of love toward our kids. I hope you can see more about why we do it. I want to close by a couple thoughts about how, how we do it. I think about how loving discipline turns our child's heart toward God. And as they learn to honor you, then hopefully they learn then to honor God. Now, who here really enjoys being disciplined? Like nobody, right? Did you, did you love being disciplined by your parents when you were a teenager? No, man, their parents are the meanest thing in the world. And they're so unjust, and why am I stuck in my room and, and don't have my phone? Did you enjoy being disciplined by your boss? No. We never love to be called out like that. But even though we don't like how it feels, as you grow more mature in life, you realize that discipline has a benefit. And that's true in our relationship with God, which is the model for actually how we discipline our kids. So here's our verse that, that we, was read to us earlier. I want to start one verse earlier in verse 10, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10, and then into here in verse 11. uh, Verse 10 says, For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in His holiness. No discipline is is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So he starts, see, by reflecting on parental discipline. He says, he says, no parent is perfect. Okay, we understand that. He says, our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best that they knew how. You know, parents, like, that's how I feel, right? I'm just doing the best I know how some days. Some days I'm not even doing that. 
But, but he said, God's discipline is perfect. Whether it's God's discipline toward us, whether it's our parents' discipline toward us, he says discipline is no fun. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. Most of us, including our kids, we try to, we'll try to avoid discipline. That's why it's so important to have this bigger picture. That this short-term pain translates into longer-term gain. Whenever we receive discipline, whether it's from God or whether it's from some human authority, the result, he says in verse 10, there's a peaceful harvest of right living. And then in verse 11, he, he, in verse 10, he talks about um, how we share in God's holiness. And then in verse 11, you see this peaceful harvest of right living, and that's what we want. That's what we want for our kids. We want that harvest. We want that result. So we want for ourselves. And so as we discipline them as parents with this goal in mind, eventually we, our prayer is that they surrender to God's discipline and they graduate from our love and our leadership to God's love and leadership as well. So let's end with just a couple of practical thoughts. We're calling this the three C's of loving discipline. And, and so three practical things. The first one is um, discipline needs to be clear. Okay, We have to establish rules and consequences and they have to be clear right so one of the things that gives discipline a bad name is when kids get disciplined on a whim right for things that they didn't even realize were wrong right so they discipline just because a parent got upset or got angry and so there's an emotional response to the situation when there haven't been clear rules laid out and, and it leaves kids very confused about the nature of right of life and right and wrong and and so God, as our Father, lays it out quite clearly for us, right? We saw it last week. Love God, love your neighbor. And so he makes it really clear. What, what he's doing in our lives has a clear basis, and there's clear rules and clear expectations from God. That's what we're going to try to do with our kids. The rules and consequences have to be clear. There's more I could say about any of these things, but I'm going to keep moving. The, the second C is it has to be consistent. And as parents, we have to follow through every time. Now, to me, this is one of the hardest things about parenting because it takes a lot of energy. And some days I'm just going like, I just want to go. I want to leave. I don't have the energy to follow through one more time. I had a couple strong-willed kids, one of them in particular, my son, very strong-willed, and he just forced you to the mat every single time and when he was a toddler. And so, like, we just, he wore us out. And so it's hard to have consistent follow-through every time. But one of the things I've noticed over the years that gives discipline a bad name is parents who scream and yell and threaten and never follow through, right? Because we're not really willing to apply the consequence. We're not really willing to take away the toy or to send their kid to the room or to confiscate the phone or whatever it might be because we really don't want to deal with the blow-up that that's going to happen. We really don't want to get up from what we're doing and take the energy to go and deal with that. So we're yelling at them from the other room. And it takes kids about five minutes to figure out and realize how Moms and dads' threats really have zero teeth in them at all, right? They, so they just tune, tune you out pretty soon because they, they know you're not going to come out and, and follow through. You can have all the clear rules of the world. You could have all the consequences defined really clearly, but if you don't follow through when the rules are broken, then you just taught your kids that the rules don't matter. You've just trained your kids that there's no consequences for misbehavior, 
And so when you talk about right and wrong, then they don't really believe that you mean it. Again, it's hard. It takes energy. But it's not what's best for our kids. Now, I've thought about this, and this is just me. This isn't scripture, but I think practically speaking, one way to deal with this is sometimes we don't follow through as consistently as we might because we have too many rules. Okay, in other words, we've tried to, we tried to, to define every single situation, and, it, and it's fair then to stop and think about what really matters most for my kids at the age that they're at and major on the majors. So I don't have to pour all of this emotional energy and all of this parenting energy into disciplining things that are fairly trivial. And you need to figure that out with your kid, you know, because their personality are bent and so forth. Um, But if we're trying to muster the energy to provide consequences for every single violation of every minute thing, maybe we have too many rules. And we just need to let some things decide what really matters and, and what we can let go. Okay, so there's the third thing now is it has to be corrective. Uh, it has to be clear. It has to be consistent. It has to be corrective. And, and this is where I say, you've got to make sure, lovingly, that it hurts a little. Here's the thing. It has to get their attention. There has to be some consequences. There has to be some negative or undesirable outcome, or else it's not going to have an effect. That's human nature. Now, I understand, I want to make sure you understand as well, there's a very clear difference between hurt and harm. Okay, I think that's a really important distinction to make. I don't ever want to harm my children. But we saw in Hebrews chapter 12 that even when God disciplines us, real discipline is painful. That I don't necessarily mean physical pain, but there's, there's something that's going to get our attention. If you're a boss, if you're a coach, if you're a parent, a teacher, then the pain of the consequences has to outweigh the gain of the behavior that you don't want to happen. And if the gain of the behavior is greater than the pain of the consequence, they're going to still keep doing it. And of course, that's very different for kids of different ages, right? And very different for kids of different personalities. We'll talk about that. But, but never, we never want to be abusive, Never, ever, ever can we justify abuse in the name of discipline. Okay, I made that really clear. But you, you listen, you can give a child time out in an abusive way or in a non-abusive way. I believe that you can actually spank a child in an abusive way or in a non-abusive way. You can take away privileges and do it in an abusive way or in a non-abusive way. But the point is, is that if it doesn't have some kind of teeth in it that speak to your child, that it's going to lose its power, lose the power to train our kids to avoid what's wrong and to pursue what's right. And so that time I skipped practice, you know, and I, I had to, to sit out the meat. That hurt. It didn't harm me, but it hurt. It didn't harm me one bit, but it hurt. And so I, I learned, I got the message because it had some teeth in it. And so, to me, that was an example of these three C's, where uh, the rules and consequences were clear on our team, that they were consistently applied by the coach. And he didn't just say, he didn't apply it to me and then let the star guy, get off, runner, get off the, the hook, you know. And it was definitely corrective for me, for sure. Now, of course, again, we've got to do it lovingly. That means, of course, that discipline is not about getting mad and lashing out at my child because if I lose control, I guarantee it's not going to be loving. 
And that's one of the de- things that definitely gives discipline a bad name in our society. It's when parents do it out of anger and, and lose control. And then the second thing about it's got to, if it's loving, it means I care more about the long-term development of my child's character than I do about how hard it's going to be in the moment for me. Or about the backlash I'm going to get from my child when I take their phone away or ground them from my friends. I have to care more about their long-term character development than I do about the argument, that the fight we're just going to have in a minute. Then one last thing you have to know about your kids. You have to know your kids. You have to know each one is different. Each one has a different personality. What gets the attention of one might be uh, different from the other one. What worked for you in your childhood may not be the thing that works for your child because your personality is different from his or hers. And some children are more, sen- more sensitive, more compliant, and all it takes is a disapproving look. And they're like, oh, they're back in line, you know. But other kids are more strong-willed, and you have to maybe take greater measures and, and be more draconian and, and more strict. The point is you can't treat each child alike. So you see, these are all, this, is why dif- this is why it's difficult, because there's so many challenges and so many complications involved in parenting. That that's why it's such a high calling from God. It's such a high a, a lofty responsibility. We have the ability to, to shape a generation for the future. But it's so difficult because if you're a parent, if you're like me, you're, you're thinking about the, all the times you failed. And I think often about, I mean, my, I, when I see my kids, they're, they're doing all right in a lot of different ways. They're doing good in a lot of ways. In other ways, I look at their life and say, man, I wish I, had, I could have that back. I wish I had, could have done it differently. Um, I wish I knew now what I knew then. And so it's tough. Sometimes I was too tough. Sometimes I wasn't tough enough. And so all of us as parents, we have to grapple with this sense of like less than the ideal. How do we do that as Christians? Now for me, the days of disciplining my kids are past because they're all grown up. And and that's a big relief in one way, right? Oh man, not my problem. But on the other hand, there's there's still plenty to regret and I don't have any more opportunities to have a do-over because they're grown up. And so last week I told you, if you were here, I said, look, I want to be very honest with God about my failures. I want to just be, just be, I don't want to be in denial before God. He knows it anyway. I just want to be upfront and vulnerable with God about my parenting flaws and failures. But at the same time, as I apply the gospel of Jesus to that situation, I realize that I am not going to live in self-condemnation, that I need to learn to live in God's grace. And that's why I said the most important thing I want to leave you today is that if you fail as a parent, I should say when you fail as a parent, God doesn't love you any less. And when you succeed as a parent, God doesn't love you anymore. It's easy for us as parents to look around and make comparisons, right? So I look at the stellar things that your kids are doing, and I don't see what happens behind closed doors. And I look at my own kids, which I know them more intimately. And I'm comparing the reality of my situation with the image of your situation. And I think, oh, man, God has so much favor on that family. I don't know the whole story. God doesn't have more favor because you're doing better. He loves you no matter what. That's the whole point of the gospel, that while we were still sinners, God demonstrates his love for us and Christ died for us. When? When we were sinners, not when we got it all together. Same is true of parenting and in every aspect of life. 
We're going to learn to live in God's grace. Because the gospel is not about perfection. It's about redemption. There's only one perfect parent. You realize that? That's God. His discipline in our lives is always right. It's never too weak, never too tough. But you know, the fact is, you and I don't qualify. We're not God. We're not going to be perfect parents. I want to be the best parent I can be. I want you to be the very best parent that you can be. I want you to give honor to God as a parent the best way you can. I want to see your kids grow up and obey and honor God too. But you're going to fail. And then you're going to fail again. you got to know how to deal with that under Christ. That's why I'm saying the gospel is not about perfection. It's about redemption. It's not about proving worthy. It's not about, it's not about how good you can do. It's about being forgiven and growing and moving forward as I own up to my failures and bring them to the cross. And I know that the death of Jesus applies and the life of Jesus, resurrection life applies to me. And as I bring them to the cross, then I receive afresh his forgiveness, his empowerment. That's why Jesus died on the cross, to to pay for our failures and our imperfections and our sins, including parenting. I want us to do better, and we're going to do better. As we apply God's word to our parenting life, we're going to do better. When we understand the Word of God and, and start living out the Word of God instead of just the theories of the culture around us, we're going to do better as parents. That's encouraging. I want to, I want to in, invite you to aspire to that. But whenever we mess up, here's the gospel. The gospel is we come to Him in our weakness, in our inadequacy, in our need, and we call on Jesus to do in us what we cannot do for ourselves. Knowing what He's done for us, then that's impels us to want to live for him and he empowers us to grow and he empowers us from the inside out to be transformed and so whenever we mess up in a relationship in the parenting in in work in your character in the private thing that happens and nobody else sees it but you know it whenever whatever it is whenever we mess up we come back to square one again and we continue to live out the gospel in our life over and over again, we come back to the place where, God, I admit my weakness, my failure, my need. I humbly come before you and say, look, this is who I am. This is what I am. I need you. I need your help, and I depend on you to do what I cannot do myself. That's the gospel. And so if you want to take a look at those three C's, as a parent, looking at, you know, your, your discipline, is it clear, consistent, corrective? Then, you know, you, you can own up to areas where maybe you need to improve. You can own up to those and get honest with God about those because you know you have this protective, safe envelope of his unconditional love. And I know that no matter how bad I do, he still loves me just as much. And that gives me freedom and hope to be able to be honest about what's going on in my life. That gives me the security to be able to tear down my image and my mask that I use to to trick other people and even myself and to say, yeah, God, you know, I can be so honest and broken before you because I know your love in Christ is unconditional for me, and so let's work on this, God. Would you come work on me? Whatever in those, so when it comes to parental discipline, as you admit any area that you say, God, you know what, I, I would want to do better in this. I haven't done as well as I could in this, as well as you'd want. And you surrender it to Jesus, and you ask 
for his divine help to grow. And then maybe you choose a practical step where you're going to ask him to empower you this week and see what happens when you move forward in dependence on him. See, discipline is so important for our kids. It's so hard for us as parents. We need to operate out of the power of Christ, the forgiveness and grace of God in our lives as we move forward. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your loving parenthood for us, how much you just love us so much. We messed up so many times. We deserve your discipline all the time. You're, trying to, you're, you're, you're not trying to smack us down. You're not trying to abuse us. You just want us to grow, and so you're, you're helping us to get a, a better grasp of what's real and true, and you're helping us to see the consequences of the dumb things that we do and the selfish things we do. And So thank you that you discipline us for our good, and, and when we receive it, that you create in us a harvest of right living and truth. God, we want to see that in our kids. We want, God, we want to see our kids thrive in this world that you put them in. We want to see them become everything that you created them to be. And, and somehow you have incredibly, unaccountably given us the stewardship of those, of those precious lives. And you've called us and you're empowering us to, to shape them for you. And God, that's a, that's a fearsome responsibility. We know our own weaknesses. But it's also an awesome, amazing privilege that you've given to us. God, help us to learn each day how to learn to, to follow your word more fully. To learn to live in dependence on you more deeply. To learn to apply your wisdom more consistently as you empower us and as you heal us, heal our brokenness, God. Forgive us our failures. Make us into the kind of people who can bring honor to you in our lives as parents, as children, wherever you've placed us, we pray in Jesus' name for his honor and glory. Amen.